another struggle, another obstacle, another problem. Ain't no telling where I'm about to go. Ain't no telling what I'm about to do. But I don't need you telling me what I need to do or who I need to be. Just let me be free. Because obviously something was going wrong. Because if, if if people were being fair to them and weren't fucking them over, they wouldn't be upset. They wouldn't be in the mood to fucking take, it, take over power. Something happened. Good morning, Jesters. Good morning, Jestettes. Good morning, fellow Jesterians. Ah, what a great day to be alive, man. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. It's a little warmer out here today. It's a, it's a balmy 19 degrees out in the office. Fudge, yeah, man. We rocking it, baby. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Pickle. I love you. I miss you. Reach out, bud. I, I, I miss you and love you more than you know. But it is what it is. So we will continue on. Onward. Good soldiers of fortune? <laughs> Why not? Why not, right? <laughs> we uh, we were doing some uh, talking on Twitter yesterday. We we formed a brand new partnership. It's gonna be awesome. We teamed up with Cannabis Hub. The Gestures Promoting Company has made a brand new partner. We are now partners with Cannabis Hub at CannabisHub.com. Cannabis Hub makes buying and selling cannabis products simpler and more secure and smarter. Cannabis Hub is the online hub for cannabis products. We bring consumers and businesses of cannabis products together into a simple, secure, and smart community marketplace. We allow brands to open stores and promote their cannabis products online, helping brands grow their online business. Consumers are able to search stores and products, allowing them to find the right products at the right store at the right price. To learn more about Cannabis Hub, visit CannabisHub.com. Check out their stores, do a little browsing, and do a little purchasing because it is an awesome place to get all your cannabis needs. The Jester's Promoting Company is going to have a store up there soon. We just got to get some stuff together, get it set up, and get it going. We're going to have our shirts. We're going to have our uh, uh, Shine On Botanicals. Excuse me. And we'll probably have a link also for uh, 710cloudy.com. Awesome, man. This is going to be awesome. Fudge, yes. Alrighty. Okay, let's dive back into our, uh, our conversation with Dr. Carl Hart. And drug use for grown-ups. Chasing liberty in the land of fear. We were discussing yesterday. We we were uh, we were there. Uh, Jesus, if we could talk. Yesterday, we were reading about how science is not science. It's follow money. I will agree with whomever is going to give me the most money. That's not science. That's fucking corruption. <laughs> Control participants and pre and prenatal drug-exposed participants exhibited slightly different patterns of brain activity in a few regions, a finding that most likely represents the normal range of human variability in brain activation. All participants performed equally well on the working memory test. This observation supports the view that brain activity... Active, Jesus Christ. So, this observation... Supports the view, let's take off my glasses. Supports the view that brain activation for both groups was normal, yet the researchers discussed the working memory findings in surprisingly pathological terms. The behavioral findings may reflect subtle indications of altered emphasis. Emphasis is mine. Oh, because he put all emphasis on altered. The behavioral findings may reflect subtle indications of altered attentional and response preparatory skills in the PDE group. I don't understand how equivalent working memory performance was interpreted as a negative effect for one group, but not for the other. Unless, of course, the interpretation is driven by bias, you don't say. Ultimately, 
The researchers concluded that their data show altered neural functioning related to response planning that may reflect less efficient network functioning in youth with PDE. As my student Dellen McAllister pointed out in his published letter to the editor, this conclusion extends too far beyond the methods employed in the collected data. That's, that's a nice way of saying that the researchers ignored their own data and told a story that was consistent with their bias. For example, if there were no differences on the behavioral tasks of interest, the working memory test, then this precludes statements highlighting such differences. It's like concluding that men are better thinkers than women based on the observation that they both think. Furthermore, neural activation differences alone are insufficient to conclude that one group may be dysfunctional compared with another, especially when the behavior of the two groups does not differ. The differential pattern of effects seen on brain activity in response to the working memory test is most certainly within the normal range of human variability. Unfortunately, I don't have enough students to ensure that such bias is minimized in the brain imaging literature, but I hope the above example will help you read it with more critical eye, and I hope this information will decrease the odds of your having the wool pulled over. Oh, what? Come on, bud. And I hope this information will decrease the odds of your having the wool pulled over your eyes by less than careful researchers or by those infected with drugs are bad virus. See, this, this brings me to something I, I read yesterday on, on, on the Twitster. It said that there is scientific evidence that giving free money to uh, mothers grows the brain of the children. Now, I'm sure there is some correlation there because a, a home with more money is a happier home and the child has the ability to grow up, maybe. But the fact that money causes kids' brain, great brains to grow is bullshit. And they're just twisting fucking science to fit their fucking narrative because they want to be able to Keep on going with illegitimate Joe's free fucking money. Make people dependent upon the state. That's what socialism is, man. Communism is, man. When the fucking populace is dependent on the state to live. Bullshit and fuck you. Mmm, okay. Unfortunately, oops, sorry. Another crucial detail that you should know about MRI and fMRI findings is that they are almost never replicated. Replication of findings is a crucial and defining feature of good science. This requirement helps guard against spurious results unrelated to drug use from an individual study. Many of these sensationalistic headlines attesting to some new brain findings should be taken with a grain of salt at least until other researchers have replicated the results. Like, money makes children's brains grow. <laughs> fuck, fuck that. What stupidity, man. See, that is, the, the, the United States, American populace are being dumbed down. It is, it is their fucking plan. Because dumb people don't question authority. And what the fuck, do you even hear anybody say question? I heard that yesterday, on Twitter, of course. I heard, that's the first time I've heard it. I forget, but there was a speech. I shared it. But she said, you need to be able to question fucking authority, man. Because you can't take that for granted that they know what the fuck they're doing because they don't. You need to be able to question authority. You need to have the ability to question authority. And if they're stopping your ability to question authority, well, I hate using the term because it's been overused, but that's fascism. Stopping somebody from speaking their mind is a fascist fucking activity. I mean, shit, yesterday I was called, called a racist and a fascist. Because I support the Oath Keepers, who are very much, they're fucking military. So they, they have made it, they've sworn to protect this country from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And the DNC is a fucking domestic terror group. 
It may be hard to see here for some of y'all. You fucking that because liberals have the DNC is their god. And that's just what they want. They want you to think that. So just fucking open your eyes and question authority, man. Oh, uh, where was I? Okay, so so far I have presented examples of how brain imaging data are misinterpreted and misused. Now I'd like to discuss a study on the other end of the spectrum, one that was extremely well conducted and included appropriate conclusions. The study was conducted by Dr. Chris Ellen Johansson, now retired from Wayne State University. Her late husband, Dr. Bob Schuster, and other colleagues. I should point out that this study was funded by NIDA and that Bob served as director of NIDA from, 1880, from 1986 to 1992. The point is that it would be a mistake to conclude that all NIDA-funded studies are biased and that everyone affiliated with NIDA is invariably a bad scientist. <laughs> well, see what he's... But, okay, you know what, we'll, we'll continue. Chris Allen and her colleagues used PET imaging procedures to compare the brain of methamphetamine addicts with non-addicts. On average, methamphetamine users reported using the drug for 10 years. They also reported regular use of other drugs, including alcohol, cocaine, and marijuana. The control participants reported never having used methamphetamine, no history of drug addiction, no use of illegal drugs except marijuana. The researchers also asked study participants to complete several cognitive tests and compared the performance of the two groups. To help you interpret these findings as well as others, I'd like to provide I'd like to provide a few more specific details regarding the PET imaging procedures used in this study. A radioactively labeled chemical was injected into the bloodstream and then computerized scanning device mapped out the relative amount of the chemical in various brain regions. The radioactively labeled drug binds to specific elements in dopamine neurons. It was therefore possible to see the extent to which binding occurred in all, par in all participants. The researchers published their findings in the journal Psychopharmacology, then found that methamphetamine users and control participants performed equally well on most cognitive tests. On measurements of sustained attention and immediate and long-term memory, however, methamphetamine users performed more poorly than controls did. Importantly though, the methamphetamine users' performance remained within the normal range for their age and educational group. In other words, despite being outperformed by the control group on some tests, the methamphetamine users were cognitive, cognitively intact. Their cognitive abilities were in the normal range. Regarding the brain data, on average, dopamine binding in the midbrain was 10 to 15% lower in methamphetamine users. It is important to point out, however, that there was considerable overlap in dopamine binding between the two groups of participants. That is, binding for some methamphetamine users was equal or higher than those of some individuals in the control group. In practical terms, the results mean that if these brain images were shuffled into a single set, experts would not be able to distinguish between the brain of controls and methamphetamine users. The researchers concluded that the functional significance, or everyday importance, of these differences are likely minimal because methamphetamine users performance on most tests was equal to controls performance and because there was no relationship between the imaging data and cognitive performance. As you might imagine results from the study did not receive major press coverage nor were they published in the New England Journal of Medicine, Nature or any other high-profile journal despite the fact that the study remains one of the most rigorously conducted in the in this area. One reason that it, as well as other well-conducted research will appropriate conclusions, failed to generate media attention is because the researchers chose not to engage in inappropriate alarming speculation about the negative impact of drug use. Instead, the findings were discussed in non-biased, dispassionate, and cautious terms. 
the bare minimum practice we expect from scientists communicating in a scientific journal. Politicians have long recognized the political and economic currency can be reliably garnered by arousing public fear. That's what I've been saying all along. Thank you for backing me up on this. They rule by fear. They keep you in line because they want you to be afraid of something so they can lie to you and tell you what not to do. That's that's just what the that's how they do it, man. <sighs> uh, excuse me. Um the the perennial drug problem is outstanding in this regard. Today, the problem is opioids. Tomorrow, it'll be something else. Votes, money, and influence will go to the politicians who convince the public that there is a problem. Exaggerating drug problems provides politicians with opportunities to be heroes and saviors, even though their solutions rarely work. Because they're narcissists. They only care about themselves. That's why they use these fucks. That's why they lie to you. They lie to you to get to a higher position in life so they can make more fucking money and become more corrupt. That's just the way the fucking system works, and I'm fucking tired of it. I'm fucking tired of it. <sighs> So-called drug problems also provide journalists and filmmakers with opportunities to walk on the wild side without getting too close for comfort. Many of these individuals are from the middle class and are intelligently curious, but may have little personal experience with specific types of behavior, behaviors perceived as morally questionable or risky. Heroin use, for them, would be an example of one such behavior. Joni Mitchell eloquently described this phenomenon in her song, A, A Case of You, when she sang, I'm frightened by the devil, and I'm drawn to those ones that ain't afraid. Writing an article or making a film about heroin addiction allows the commenters to walk in the shoes of the addict and then return them once the piece is complete. It's a cheap thrill. Most drug use, even heroin use, occurs without causing addiction. Yet you would be hard-pressed to find a story or a documentary film about an illicit drug, say crack, cocaine, or heroin, without it focused being almost entirely on addiction. Why is this? Well... Because addiction is sexier than non-addiction. Who wants to read a piece or watch a film about a person who uses heroin on some evenings and then goes to work as scheduled and handles her other responsibilities without incident? Most people would find this boring. The journalists and filmmakers know this. Disproportionately producing pieces about addiction is a win-win situation for the producers. The paying public eagerly consumes the material, while the journalists... And filmmakers pretend to be edgy and hip, but they're fucking lying to you. Well, I find behavior of most politicians and journalists unacceptable, 100%, as do I. I also understand that their mistakes are not necessarily malicious. Exactly. They're just selfish. They're not doing it to harm people. They're just selfish. They're worried about their own goddamn selves. These individuals frequently operate in crisis-ridden environments where decisions are often made without, with incomplete information and where deadlines loom large. Blaming drugs for the current crisis promises an easy fix and absolves lots of people from their responsibility for addressing the actual causes, which are usually complex. I see the job of the scientist, in part, as helping to correct the blunders of politicians and journalists. Fuck yeah. It's one of the reasons that I became a scientist. I enjoy engaging in effortful, deliberate thinking with the goal of accurately and impartially characterizing drug effects in the brain and on behavior. Unfortunately, this time-honored practice is increasingly being replaced with fear-mongering, especially by some scientists who study the effects of drugs on the brain. This occurs even though we hold scientists to higher standards of objectivity than we do politicians or journalists. Misrepresentations of study findings by scientists, such as ones described in this chapter, were egregious, not only because they impact our treatment or identify drug users, they also contribute to misleading stereotypes and shape callous political rhetoric and harmful policies. On many occasions, Donald Trump has praised Duterte and other barbaric leaders for a great job on their handling of drug users and dealers. 
knowing that their tactics include extrajudicial executions. This is precisely the type of rhetoric that led to passage of U.S. legislation that set penalties 100 times harsher for crack than for powder cocaine violations. Today, many find the crack versus powder laws repugnant because they exaggerate the harmful effects of crack and are enforced in a racially discriminatory manner. But few critically examine the role played by the scientific community in propping up the assumptions underlying these laws. For its part, the scientific community has virtually ignored the shameful racial discrimination that occurs in drug law enforcement. The researchers themselves are overwhelmingly white and middle class and do not have to live with the consequences of their actions. I don't have this luxury. Every time I look into the face of my, ch my children or go back to the place of my youth, I am forced to confront the devastation that results from the racial discrimination that is so rampant in the application of drug laws and is abetted by arguments poorly grounded in scientific evidence. We can no longer allow neuro-exaggerations to shape our views on drugs, inform our drug policies, and determine our drug research funding priorities and directions. The stakes are too high. The human cost is incalculable. That, that was a fucking intense fucking chapter, man. It was telling you how fucking scientists, they'll agree with whomever is giving them the fucking money. They don't care about truth. They don't care about facts, man. They're following the money. They want money. It, it, it's bullshit, man. And That's why I got so... I was angry with this kid. I forget. I'm not even going to say his name. But he's like, well, I only listen to peer-reviewed research and da-da-da-da. That's why I don't smoke weed because weed is dangerous. Man, are you fucking stupid, man? See, at the time, I didn't know any of this shit about, you know, the peer review process and how it's fucked. But I knew it was fucked because I knew marijuana, cannabis, was not dangerous. A hundred percent. So, it got me, what the fuck is going on in the goddamn scientific community? Now we know. Now we fucking know. Sensation, fame, and fear. And money. They want the sensation, but well, first they have to get the money. So they say, okay, well, we will misinterpret the data, even though, like, like he said, it's like saying women think, I'm going to change it up, like women think better than men, because they both think. That's not, what the fuck, man? Jesus Christ, idiots. <laughs> oh, well. So... Remember to dive or check up. Uh, uh, you are dumb as shit. Remember, check out CanvasHub.com. See what they have to offer. Soon we will be there as well. Now, let's dive into the UFC. Let's see what these mother truckers are trying to sell us today. If you have a topic or a story or just something you want the gesture's opinion on, go ahead and leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash SWTJ. Sessions with the gesture, baby. Yeah, yeah. It's vital in a conflict to understand how the confrontation looks from the other side. That's true in politics. It's true in diplomacy. Yes. And it is certainly true in brinksmanship like Russia's threatened invasion of Ukraine. Excuse me. Excuse me there, Chuck. Russia never said they were going to invade Ukraine. He just moved troops to the border. Now, I guess that could be... Uh, understood as, threat, as a threat. But... It's just, see, they're, they're, they're twisting it to get you to fear, to get you to hate Russia because, why? Because we are always at war with Russia. We are always at war with Eurasia. We're always at war with somebody, and they need somebody to hate. So let's send our kids over to fight for some bullshit nonsense that has nothing to do with us. Absolutely nothing to do with us. But let's send our kids over so the warbirds can make some money, shall we? Let, let's hear. Let's hear what they have to say. 
U.S. is trying to deter Russia's president from acting. Yeah. President Biden's latest move is to prepare extra U.S. troops to move to countries near Russia's borders. So how does all of this look to Vladimir Putin, the leader in the Kremlin? We'll ask NPR's Charles Maines. He's in Moscow. <sighs> Charles, uh, we have to work out Putin's thinking from the outside. So let's start with do his we? government. Do so we really have to do that, saying? bud? Well, in a call with reporters uh, Monday, the Kremlin spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, accused Western governments and Western media of provoking hysteria, and he cited this deployment. No, we would never do that. What are you talking about? So, so Peskov here is saying that NATO is merely escalating tensions. He argues none of this crisis is happening because of what Russia is doing, but rather because of actions by NATO and the U.S. And meanwhile, Russia's defense ministry has announced its own new military maneuvers as well. Right. Well, of course, because they see us gathering troops on the Ukrainian border on the other side of Russia, while Russia is putting troops on this side of Russia. It's a fucking game. Oh, I, I, I don't know what more to fucking say about this, man. The Warbirds, Joe Biden and his buddies, they want to go to war. They want to send your kids to die so they can make money. So Joe Biden's presidency can have some sort of lasting effect. They're going to send your fucking kids to die. That, that's a good fucking idea. Don't you fucking think? I... Jesus Christ. The Russians have been moving forces, but they don't have an excuse to invade. The U.S. has said Russia may invent one with some kind of false flag operation, some act of violence. How do the Russians respond to being called out like that? Well, well, that's what America it, does. And they also say basically the same about. It's exactly what the fuck they America say that these does. Recent Western arms shipments are emboldening Kiev to seek a military solution to the war in East Ukraine and the Donbass. Uh, How do we get into fucking? Uh, oh, 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 shit! So that that that's exactly what it is. So America, <laughs> ah, you see, Roosevelt wanted to enter World War II. He knew. That there was a, a squadron of Japanese plane heading to Pearl Harbor. But because he wanted to get into the war, he let it happen. He let Pearl Harbor happen. So now we have a reason to get into war. The Gulf of Tonkin. That whole event just never happened. It was all an entire made-up fucking event. But we need a reason to get into Vietnam. Huh. So now they're warning us of a false flag attack that's going to be fucking uh, done by Russia, quote unquote. <laughs> so watch for a, 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 a false flag event that I promise you, I fucking promise you, will be done by the United States motherfucking government because they want to send your kids to fucking war. They want to send your kids to fucking die. They don't fucking care. They're selfish. They want fucking money. And if your kids have to die for them to get wealthier, well, that's just the price they have to pay. How the fuck does that sound to you, man? Jesus Christ. It is. Now, the head of one of these breakaway Ukrainian territories was on Russian TV yesterday, insisting that Kiev was set to launch a ground assault. Uh, it's important, however, to note that the government in Kiev is saying absolutely the opposite. <sighs> See, they we don't even know what the fuck to believe. Their defenses, they're not because NPR is a goddamn propaganda machine, so we don't even know if what they're telling us is fucking true. I'm basing my thoughts on what they're fucking telling me. got something in return, so could the U.S. and NATO give something back? Well, you know, the Kremlin is, you know, if we talk about what's happening on the diplomatic front, the Kremlin says it's waiting for the U.S. to deliver a formal response to the security proposals Russia issued last month. Now, these were a call for a ban on NATO membership to Ukraine, as well as a rollback of, of NATO from former communist countries in Eastern Europe, among other things. You know, Moscow says its next move hinge on the U.S. response. Uh, the State Department has promised to send counterproposals this week, uh, but is signaling any compromises should be met with Russian reciprocity. 
So apparently won't see you know, Washington just bending to ultimatums. I think whatever comes next, it seems there's some satisfaction in the Kremlin at having forced Russia at, into the center of the global conversation once again, and, and largely on its own terms. And Russia may not be a democracy at this point, but a leader still wants the support of his own people if he does wind up going to war. So does Vladimir Putin have that? You know, there's a new pullout that shows Russians divided on whether war will break out. But they do appear to back the Kremlin view that this is a crisis of NATO's making. Uh, of course, they don't want sanctions, but they see them as inevitable, a condition really of having you know, seen wave after wave of sanctions imposed on Russia in recent years, all of which you could argue frees the Kremlin's hand to take any decision it sees fit. That's NPR's Charles Maines. Talk to us from Moscow. Fuck with me, we'll Charles fuck with you. Goddamn right. Seventy-one degrees and cloudy is an amazing little head shop right in the heart of Lakewood, New York. Or you can find them at seven ten and cloudy dot com, where you can use code word S W E D ten save ten percent on your order. They have all your smoking deals on your smoking accessories. Check out seven ten and cloudy dot com or fifty Chautauqua Avenue in Lakewood, New York. Now let's get back to the show. Just a few months ago, stocks were setting new records, and the value of cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin were at an all-time high. It's a bit harder to say where the market is going now, because at one point yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by more than 1,000 points. Bitcoin lost about half its value, and then they bounced back. In fact, the Dow ended up up for the day. So what drove that brief sell-off? Do we even fucking care? The stock market... Is is what the is how the wealthy make money off of nothing. Do we even fucking care why the fucking stock market is doing whatever the fuck it's doing? I don't fucking care. I don't play that fucking game because it's a fucking it's a rich man's game because they can afford the losses. Fuck that. I don't fucking care about the goddamn stock exchange now. Crypto, some Bitcoin. I'm down to buying some Bitcoin because. This financial system that we're in now, this fiat money, it's not going to last forever. It's not going to last much longer. Because there is, it's fiat money. Like, I'm going to give you this little square piece of paper that has no value unless I think it has value. So you better think it has value. Well, that's why I'm going to buy fucking Bitcoin. Because I know Bitcoin has value. That's not a fiat fucking little piece of fucking paper. Fears of inflation, it seems, as well as fears about the Federal Reserve's ability to fight it. Here to explain what's going on, we're joined now by NPR's David Gura. David, so the good times. Fight inflation that was caused by the United States government's decisions, their actions. But like I said, inflation is a tax on the poor man, on the proletariat. Oh, excuse me. Because if you're wealthy, you don't care. That, go- that milk costs $7 a gallon as opposed to 3 Excuse me. Shit. I remember when I could go to Walmart and get it. Jesus Christ, I'm burping. I remember when I could go to Walmart and get a gallon of milk for 99 cents. For a dollar. For a dollar. Jesus, now we're up to over $5 for a, for a gallon of milk. Now pretty soon it's going to be $7, $8 for a gallon of fucking milk. That, that doesn't matter to the wealthy. They don't fucking care. Because they don't buy milk. They go to the fucking restaurants. But even if they did buy milk, they didn't fucking care. They don't... Six dollars is it's shit. But when you're fucking scraping by every to live every goddamn day, an eight dollar gallon of milk is going to fucking kill you. Because everything else is going to be fucking twice as goddamn much as well. And this is all created. Be- this was all created because the government thought it'd be a good fucking idea to give out billions in free cash, to flood the market with cash, supply and demand. I saw this fucking coming. I saw fucking. We're gonna be running through the streets with wheelbarrows full of cash just so we can buy a couple loaves of milk and a gallon of bread. <sighs> This, 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 it's a sad state of affairs, Over man. on Wall Street, this is just an incredibly volatile moment. Fuck Wall Street. Was Fuck Joe Biden. At 
fuck illegitimate Joe motherfucking Biden. He's the one that created all this goddamn nonsense. He's a goddamn tyrant, and I can't fucking wait till the midterm elections to see what the fuck happens then. Because if one, if one goddamn Democrat gets elected, I know. Well, I already know this shit's fucked up, but then inflation is higher than it's been in four decades. And two, and most importantly, well, like, what the fuck am I gonna do? Plans to fight it more aggressively. What this means is the Fed is going to raise interest rates. But I'm trying to, to get every. I'm trying. I use that word try. I am getting everybody together so we can all be on the same side and we can make shit happen. I'm trying to help people see. I didn't say you try to know. I am helping people see what the fuck is going on because this is all just horseshit. I'm trying to connect the. Stop saying try. You dumb son of a cunt. I am connecting the dots. I am showing you what the fuck is going on. I am great for stocks. See, I don't watch the news. I watch. I see. Many Americans had cash to burn. They weren't traveling. They weren't going out. There were these stimulus payments, so they put some of that extra cash into the market, and they were just buying and selling stocks. First-time investors bought Bitcoin, which surged along with other cryptocurrencies. An NFT, a intricate digital work of art by the artist Beeple, sold for sixty-nine point three million dollars at Christie's. But higher inflation has changed this landscape, and the drops that we've seen in recent days could portend more pain to come. So, David, what's your sense of how all this is going to shake out? There are two schools of thinking on this. One camp believes we're seeing bubbles burst, like we did in the early 2000s. When there's a bubble, people make risky, speculative bets, and things get too expensive. The 2008 financial crisis was sparked in part by a boom in housing that led to all kinds of risky investments in subprime mortgages. Legendary fund manager Jeremy Grantham says this is the late stage of a bubble, and he writes in a new note it will very probably end badly. But there are others who you disagree. Think? Amanda you Agati is think? chief investment officer at Jesus PNC Financial Christ. Services, and she says what we've been seeing here is noise in the short run. It's definitely a little bit uncomfortable here, but it's definitely a part of a natural, healthy, functioning market environment. And she says corrections or market resets happen. They can be painful. And there has been pain. I mean, Bitcoin, for example, is now trading at half of what it was going for at its peak only a few months ago in November. So, what should we watch for? Wall Street is paying. Don't watch for anything, man. From Fed Reserve Chairman Wall Street Jerome is Powell fucking. His fellow policymakers, Powell is going to speak. Fuck Wall Street, man! Don't buy stocks. Don't buy stocks. Buy crypto. Definitely buy crypto. Buy some. Buy whatever uh, crypto you feel is best for you. I don't know which one. I'll probably choose Bitcoin. I'll probably buy into some Bitcoin. That's been around the longest. We could see some more wild swings, the likes of which we saw on Monday. NPR's David Gura. David, thanks a lot. Thank you. Hey there, fellow Jesterians. Let me tell you about a sponsor of ours that is now part of the Jester family. Shine On Botanicals is one of the purest CBD distillate on the market. We have tinctures, roll-ons, vapes, gummies. We also have pet tinctures. Email the promoting jester at gmail.com. Put shine on the subject line and list what you would like to purchase. By the end of the week, you will receive an invoice. Easy peasy. Now let's get back to the UFC. Last night, the people of Burkina Faso saw what has become a familiar sight, really, these days on television in sub-Saharan Africa. A group of military men crowded into a TV studio and said the military is taking charge of the country. The soldiers said they suspended the Constitution, dissolved the government and National Assembly, closed the borders, and removed the democratically elected president. NPR's Ader Peralta is following the developments from his base in South Africa. Ader, how did this happen? Hey, yeah, um, look, over the weekend there was a mutiny among some part of the military, and what we know from witnesses is that these soldiers surrounded the home of President Rakabore, and for the next two days these soldiers traded gunfire with other security forces near the president's home. The government kept saying this is not a coup, that the military was still under civilian control, but when the sun went down last night, these coup leaders came on TV, and they said they had taken uh, power. Uh, on the statement that they read on TV, the coup leader said that they had taken power without bloodshed and that some political leaders were under arrest but we really don't know the whereabouts or the condition well they aren't telling us why because they didn't just up and do this for no reason they weren't just well 
let's do this. Why not? They had a reason. Because if they have some political officials under arrest, there had to have been some corruption. I'm for the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the soldiers that rebelled. Because obviously something was going wrong. Because if, if, if people were being fair to them and weren't fucking them over, they wouldn't be upset. They wouldn't be in the mood to fucking take, take over power. Something happened. But NPR isn't going to tell us that. They're going to say, all these people are bad because the democratically elected leader was, was taken out. Da, 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 was taken out of power. Da, 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 da. We can't have that because, well, democracy, goddammit. Fuck you. Of President Trakabore, and all we know corruption is isn't democracy. On TV, he sent out a tweet on his official account. He asked the military to lay down their arms, and he wrote, quote, We must safeguard our democratic achievements. Have you been able to get any sense of how people in Burkina Faso are, are reacting to the news? Yeah, they're on the streets, they're celebrating. Um, yeah, see? Know, it's worth noting, see? Uh, as you did in the intro. It was a good President goddamn Trump thing, it appears. democratically elected in 2015. He represented a change in Burkina Faso. He was the first non-military guy to hold power in decades. But over the last couple of years, the violence in Burkina Faso has escalated. It is being led by Islamist insurgents who have moved deeper into the country and have continually attacked the military and civilians. And the people of Burkina Faso got tired of the insecurity, and that's what they've been saying on the streets. There have been a, a number of coups in the region in recent months. Mali, Guinea, oh, see, that's, uh, Chad. That's, what, what's uh, going on over there? Yeah, look, I, I spoke to Ryan Cummings, who is a security analyst at Signal Risk, and he they, had been these people were take, are taking control right of their future. And they I made a goddamn him, decision. Were contagious, and he they says, aren't just letting yeah, shit they, happen. They, they, they made they a goddamn decision, are, um, and I give and, them props for that. The reason, because however, they wanted shit to change, so they made shit happen. For example, have reacted a hundred fucking percent past coups. So he says that that sends a message. Let's listen. I think that's a message it sends to a lot of these militaries, you know, in the presence of weak central governance structures, is that seizing power, you know, amid a context where, you know, there'll be popular support for such an unconstitutional power grab is, is quite a low risk but high reward undertaking. So basically he's saying that the international community has no incentive to come in because the people want these coups. Exactly. As he says, they're low risk, high reward. Let them fucking we should know figure it out for themselves, man. That's just how you got to do shit. Sanctions. You can't always be there to help somebody. You got to let people figure shit out on their goddamn own. Thank you, A. I'm just a fucking pothead. <laughs> that was the UFC for... January 25th, deuce, 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 deuce. Oh, these mother truckers, man. These mother trucking mother truckers. <laughs> they just keep coming at you with the bullshit. But hey, it is what it is, man. First story was about Russia and Ukraine. And of course, it's Russia's fault. But they're telling you to watch out for a false flag that Russia may may commit or may do may I don't I don't know how to kind of, how to word that there is going to be an event that's going to cause a war to start that they're going to blame on Russia but I promise you I fucking promise you that the United States of America no that that's that's a lie no that's let's re, let's rephrase that I promise you that the commander in chief of the military, illegitimate Joe motherfucking Biden, he is going to put something in action. He is going to be behind this false flag to get us drawn into a war with Russia. Isn't that awesome? Don't you just love when you can tell the future like that? I fucking promise you. Well, okay, no, I can't promise you that it is going to happen. But if it does happen... I can promise you it wasn't Russia. That that I guess that's the best way to put it. Because we've done it before to enter in, and get to get us into wars, Pearl Harbor, Gulf of Tonkin, Bay of Pigs. It It's a fucking pattern, man. It's a motherfucking pattern. And because the US people's memory are short, they don't fucking pay attention to history. If you don't know your history, you're damned to repeat it over and over 
and over and over. That's just how it fucking works, man. The second story was about crypto and the stock market. Number one, fuck the stock market. Who gives a fuck about stocks? That's a rich man's game. That's how they make their money on nothing. Lazy motherfuckers. With no goddamn benefit to society other than spending the money they make. Propagating this this uh, service economy we have. If you like the show and want to support us directly, check us out on Venmo at the underscore jester. Peace. Crypto. Buy crypto. Most definitely buy crypto. Get away from the fiat fucking currency that that's in your fucking wallet now. Because that's just paper. It's just fucking paper with no goddamn backing other than what you believe. What you think. Get away. Stay stay away from stocks and money. <clears throat> Excuse me. I fucking hate money. Although there will come a day in the in the in the near future, I feel, where money's not going to be an issue. Because nobody will have money. Nobody. Because all of our money is digital. And and what are you going to do with this money once you get it? You aren't We'll we'll wait till that time comes and we'll see. The final story was about coups taking place in sub-Saharan Africa. I forget the name of the town, but it was just... (laughs) The military overthrew the democratically, quote-unquote, democratically elected uh, governance. Now, if this governance was doing a good job, we're doing things correctly, this wouldn't have happened. Because if you treat people well, if, you, if you're good to people, they aren't going to rebel against you. They're going to work for you or work with you. They're going to help you achieve what's best for the community. But because these people were just assholes, I guess, and just didn't fucking care about anything but themselves, well, this is what happens. And like they said, the people wanted the goddamn, they wanted this guy out of office because obviously he was corrupt and just a piece of shit. So nobody's going to fucking, they said that, so the international community is not going to come help because the people fucking want it. This was a good fucking thing. Corruption will always lose in the end. I fucking hope so anyway, because this fucking government's heading the fuck downhill due to corruption, but it is what it is. We just keep on doing what we do, we keep on surviving. We keep on keeping on, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But if you have a Roku, 100% if you have a Roku, add channel 716. It'll be the best decision you made today. It's full of classic films that I some I've never seen, some I've never heard of. And it also has local Western New York news from WNY News Now. An awesome news uh, team here in Jamestown, New York. And also remember, we're, we're hitting 1,000 subscribers by June. So hit that follow button and share. Share, share. And hey, leave a rating. Give give us a rating, if you will, because, well, we don't have many. We have, like, nine, and those are from, like, when we first started doing the podcast, and people haven't heard what's what we have become, what we have evolved into. So, fuck yeah. Now, let's check in with Mr. Ben. Let's see what space weather's going to be for January 25th. Deuce, deuce. Good morning, Mr. Ben. Good morning, folks. Today we've got an increasing watch for the sun, weather notes, earthquakes, and tier one news from beneath our feet out into deep space. 
We begin at spaceweathernews.com and find the last day on the sun still snappy. That minor coronal hole stream did impact overnight and was indeed minor. Even without considerable eruptions, the northern filament is wanting to release. And the incoming active region on the north is still raising the X-ray flux with a couple small solar flares overnight. The active regions underlying the swirling corona and chromosphere are not tremendously complex, but still, focus goes to the left, incoming at the limit, that active region. You can see here where those X-ray flare signatures are coming from, again, mostly from the left. Some more on the other half of climate extremes. Snow is rare in the lower altitude regions near Athens. Record cold continues being smashed, and with another Arctic blast on the way to the U.S., we should expect a bunch more of that this week. Most important quake of the last day struck Haiti, along with an aftershock that ripped down hundreds of homes and killed at least two people. The region did uptick in general yesterday. Let's go next to a fascinating move in the right direction. How about we just toss out planetary tectonics driven by convection? And they make it driven by the sun and the moon. It's literally as though they stick a middle finger up at 25% of the field here, and it explains why the crust is slipping on top of the mantle by about 10 centimeters per year. Up next, folks, whether you recall the number one paper on this topic, which pegged the maximum solar flare energy at around X1000 every 6,000 years, or the slightly higher potential power given in the textbook from a few years ago, this one rings in properly. An X2500 flare from a young solar-like star confirms the ubiquity of such flares on younger versions of the sun and fortifies the general principle that G-stars like our sun get to this age and then quietly wait for their less regular but equally powerful flare events. And last but not least... Literally, I just plugged that Nova Science Deeper Look episode yesterday as the amazing science on Nova keeps rolling in in the morning news. And I had suggested in that episode, I didn't think bigger stars could do recurrent micronova. Well, this is about the speed of the universe these days, isn't it? This star should be even less likely than the sun to have episodic mass loss events, but it's got them. Friday Nebula is at least three shell eruption mass loss events. Folks, the field appears to have picked up the ball and is now in an all-out sprint. We greatly appreciate your support. We've got wind maps and shots of our star to close. Subscribe, and we'll do this all again tomorrow. Right here, but right now at 6 a.m. in the new Valley of the Sun. Eyes open. No fear. Be safe, everyone. Excellent episode. Remember to subscribe to Suspicious Observers on YouTube. Get full impact of his videos, and stay up to date as to what's popping off cosmologically. Quote of the day. At the end of the day, we can endure much more than we think we can. You are more powerful than you believe. You need to be able to find your limits, because that's how you grow. You can do more than you believe you can do. Absolutely. Just just get out and do it. Make shit happen. <laughs> so let's let's ramp up. Let's get the words out there and let's spread the gesture revolution, baby. If you ain't laughing, you ain't living. <laughs> yeah. So be a better version of yourself. Smoke the weed every day. And just 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 fucking make shit happen, man.